Hello everyone and welcome to a special podcast from the UK Cinema Association in partnership with the Cinema Technology Community, the CTC. I'm Helen Budge and I was at the View Westfield White City with lots of other fellow cinema folk on the 5th and 6th of March for the 2019 UKCA Conference on Tech. I managed to grab a quick five minutes with a few of the delegates who were presenting at the conference and who kindly agreed to go on the record and outline what we could expect from them over the two days. So check out the caption below the podcast uh, to see a list of the guests that I chatted with and we hope you enjoy. We are here at the View Westfield White City in West London for the two-day conference for the UKCA. I am joined by Mike Bradbury, Group Head of Sound and Projection for Odeon. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. Welcome to my massive screen. (laughs) Actually, it's probably not one of the bigger ones, is it? But it's lovely. I'm enjoying the the wide seats. It's a medium. It's a medium, yeah. We'll go with that. So you are talking today, you're presenting, uh, you're moderating, in fact, for the In the Pub With section at the end of the day. Yep. So I'm going to hand it over to you if you just give us in a nutshell what you're going to be sort of chatting about, what the theme of it is and, you know, what, you, what you'll what you be discussing. Over to okay, you. Okay, cool. Um, well, the, the In the Pub session was something that I um, created a couple of years back at the Norwegian Cinema Conference and it was really born out of a frustration with um, the lack of quality questions during the day at various conferences that I've been to, not the UK Cinema Association. Of course not. And I always thought that nobody really asked the right questions and proper discussion topics until you got into the pub uh, later after the conference. So I tried to move that pub mentality into the conference itself to try and really get people to f- to speak openly and freely about the, the, the topics that they really wanted to discuss. Um, and so I, I tried to create a relaxed atmosphere I'd try to have a few beers on the table if possible uh, and ideally try and get a few beers in the audience as well so it's always best to try and have it at the end of the day and just try and make it interactive asking people in the audience show of hands um, what do you think of this what do you think of that of uh, either a summary of, of the day's topics that's already been discussed or presented on or some topics um, that you know is, is either personal to me or is uh, in the in, in the limelight at the moment. Um, for instance, things like you know the big Netflix thing with Roma and um, and whether we should or shouldn't allow them to, to to win Oscars and things like that. Especially after it winning a few Baftas as well, some prestigious Baftas. So that's what um, the the genesis of it was really. Yeah. That was how it, how it was born. And I've, I've not done it in the UK before, um, but Phil asked me to come along and do the in the pub because he'd heard good things about it. So. Great. I really like that because, that, like you say, it's just the end of the day. Everybody's had a lot of concentration mm-hmm. and, and taking notes or, you know, a lot of information to absorb. Mm-hmm. And then you're just you're bringing it round to that. Let's just have a drink together and chill out. Yeah, exactly that. And as I say, I wanted to try and create that relaxed atmosphere and, and try to create an environment that people feel like they can ask questions without feeling silly. Or and do you find the audience really joins in with it? Uh, they do. And, and if they don't, then I'll, I'll usually pick on some people. Um, <laughs> That's just what they want. Yeah. Um, you know, people who I know, you know, um, yeah, you know and, and I know they've got a particular expertise or I might have spoken to them in the day or previously and know that I happen to know they have a particular opinion on this um, and I try and draw it out of them. So today, um, obviously the conference over the next two days is, is kind of focusing on tech 
which mm-hmm. is obviously a very broad range of, yeah. of yeah. Uh, areas, if you will, within the umbrella. Mm-hmm. But w- can you share with us what you're going to be talking about today? Yeah, or? yeah. Um, there's a couple of things that um, Unique have been flying around with um, about particularly things about uh, volume levels and whether we we are too loud or too quiet and what the fader setting should be and why we can't have it at certain levels and things like that. Um, I'll be asking questions around what the um, is there a future for 3D uh, and where do we see 3D in the future? Is there is there going to be drastic changes? Is it going to die out? Is it going to continue? Is is Avatar going to be a big Kickstarter? You know things like that. Um, what else we're going to be talking about? Um, the impact of laser projection on 3D potentially. Um, and I have a even though it isn't in the pub session, I have a few graphs and a few diagrams just to try and illustrate get some the point. points. Yeah, yeah, illustrate the points, get some points across. Uh, again, just to spark discussion yeah. rather than to come to any real conclusions. Yeah. Um, so that's it, really. Uh, what I found in the in the pub things is that. Uh, you tend to really want to discuss some of the topics. <clears throat> and the first one I did, I had nine topics, which we end up having to curtail quite a lot of the conversations because we couldn't get them all in in the yeah, time yeah, that we yeah. had. Yeah. So um, what I've done now is is had a very, very specific less is more approach because the less topics we have, the more we can actually get in under detail. the skin yeah. Of, yeah. of the problems. There's nothing worse than just about getting going and you go, oh, well, we've run out of time. And You're sort of spreading yourself too thin. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So um, it's better to just keep the, the topic short. And uh, just very quickly to round up, who who's joining you today on, um, on your panel? We have uh, Johnny Wiles from Warner Brothers. We have Tony Purvis from Amblin. Um, we've got Kevin Marquick from Picture House. Yeah. Oh, we've also got we've also got. Oh my God, he'll kill me now. Uh, we've <laughs> also got Nick Noland, who okay. is a uh, cinematographer, um, a governor at the BSC. Um, who did various films that we've seen, and we've been working closely with Nick about auditorium lighting which is another topic that we're going to be looking into okay lovely well thank you ever so much for joining me mike um just a very quick sort of round up there before the day's even begun so there you go no we're problem. just super eager um so yeah enjoy the day and thank you for chatting with we'll me try our best thanks a lot so i am joined uh, this morning here at the view westfield white city by ruth hinton brand planning and insights manager from view welcome ruth thank you thank you for joining me today so before any of the conference has started you are presenting in the cinema technology and the audience section is that right yes that's right so the ukca got in touch with view um, about taking part in that part of the session um, we carry out a lot of customer research and we um, are very keen to understand our customers point of view so they asked do we have any data to share Uh, but instead what I'm talking about today um, is customers don't care about the technology which I like it a rather controversial way to start (laughs) for a conference where people are specifically gathered to talk about the technology Um, but my point is that customers don't care about the technology per se Mm -hmm. we need to connect with um, what difference it makes to them and how they can value it we in the cinema industry think about and talk about cinema all day long but for a lot of our customers it's something they think about for a few hours a month if that Um, so I think we need to really center on what's important to them and link the technology to them so that they care about the effect it has rather than technology per se Oh, lovely. So um, I did a bit of snooping on you. I hope you don't mind. But you have a background in psychology, don't you, as well? So that all ties in 
nicely with that. Um, is that anything you're going to be talking about? It's more about how um, businesses can use that sort of information and insight. Um, there are lots of topics where you can ask customers, what do you think of this? Would you buy it? Okay. But in the cinema technology, the technology is often far ahead of the things that customers can understand or, or know about currently. Um, there's some great innovations. So we need to bring it back to things they do care about. So rather than us researching per se, what's the next innovation that we should have? Um, we link to what do the customers care about and yeah. which technologies are really going to feed to that. And that's where the psychology comes in, just thinking about people as whole people, not cinema goers. Can I ask what kind of things, you know, more specifically what you might be covering in terms of what they do care about? Yeah, um, so a lot of um, uh, cinema industry people will recognise um, the breadth of the experience that people have with us. Um, it starts when they're looking forward to their cinema visit, they're researching where to go to, they're deciding with friends. There's the actual cinema experience, an exciting foyer, um, the big screen moment where um, the lights go down and, and the show comes on um, and everyone's focused together. Um, and then after the experience, when they reflect on what they've seen, and often this is a time when people go, oh, I love the cinema, I must come more often. And, and technology can play I'd, a part I'd in that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah. These are human truths that we can yeah, recognise yeah, yeah. about people and their relationship to cinema and the role it plays for them. And so thinking about that whole experience and the emotions that they have and the things that are important to them and the role that cinema plays for them in escapism. Those are the things that are going to motivate people to choose our cinemas rather than the latest technology per se. So we have to take our tech hat off for a manner in a manner of speaking for your little section. Lovely. You're speaking with somebody else on um, in that this section. So also speaking in uh, this part of the agenda is Stan Rizkowski from Webedia Movies Pro um, okay. and they do have um, research to share which is great. Um, I've seen a preview yeah. where customers are telling them um, what cinema experience they've had and so they've got some really interesting patterns about when customers are going to premium formats or recliner seating and the impact that that can have so nicely complementing the two sections. Um, excellent well I think that was everything Ruth just a very sort of quick roundup of, of what we can look forward to so I hope you enjoy the conference and thank you for chatting with me. Thank you very much. So I am joined by Matt Johans, Director of Cinema Technology for Harkness Screens. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. So you're very kindly stepping in for David Hancock, who, bless him, isn't isn't too well today. Absolutely. Um, so thank you for talking to me, first of all. You are presenting in the Cinema Technology, the Current Landscape section, is that correct? I am indeed, yes. <laughs> okay, lovely. So um, as with everybody else, Matt, I'm going to hand it over to you. Just give us, in a nutshell, what you're presenting on today and what we can expect. Absolutely. Thanks, Helen. Okay, so I'm going to be uh, presenting presenting the laser illumination panel. So it's going to be based on an EDCF document that we produced. And this was, the, the idea of this document was to try and give more information to cinema buyers. As, as you'll find with any equipment purchases now, it's very difficult to just go in there and buy necessarily what the manufacturers are trying to tell you if you don't understand what they actually mean and the environment in which you want to deploy them. So on the subject of laser projection, not all laser projectors are alike. And it's important to understand the differences between the different technologies and the different offerings from the different manufacturers. So along with that, um, the reason why it's uh, you know quite a key subject at the moment is when laser projection first came out, as of all new technologies, it can be quite expensive. Now things are moving on. There's um, you know more demand has come out, so obviously prices are starting to come down. A lot of the technologies which were originally quite expensive, like RGB laser, is starting to come down in price. So 
yeah, so that's quite important. The way we went about putting the document together was a case of not just putting questions that we thought were important, as in the EDCF, although we knew there were some important questions. The key thing was to really find out what the, the cinema buying um, end user was really looking for. So we, we worked in coordination with Unique, so yep. uh, Guillaume Brand has helped us, and we sent out a questionnaire to all of his members, really, to send us back questions. So eventually we got a really good feedback of questions from lots of exhibitors European-wide, and based on that we were able to pitch those exact questions to the main digital projector providers. So we had feedback from Sony, NEC, Barco and Christie. And of course they've all got different, um, slightly different ideas how they do it, slightly different changes on technology, but it was a very nice group. It, we were able to get unbiased feedback and pretty much answer nearly all of the questions that were able to be put forward. Some of the questions which finally ended up at the end of the at the end of the document we called questions we cannot answer and they were very <laughs> subjective questions so it's not we didn't have the answer but you know they are so subjective yeah. different people's viewpoints different people's Opinions, interpretation yeah. absolutely so we thought we'd do this as the basis for the panel itself so at the end of my introduction to the document we're going to run a panel with some you know key industry persons and then we're going to go through some of those subjective questions and put it to manufacturers put it to exhibitors you know, put it to integrators and see you know, what their opinions are on these questions we cannot answer and hopefully throwing it out also to the to the audience today and we'll you know, get some you know, feedback so from them. So a bit of a Q&A sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, see what we can glean from that. And I think hopefully what the sort of feedback we get should echo what we found in the document. If we don't, we'll have some new interesting feedbacks, which are, of course, new paths to look at. Yep. But all in all, hopefully it's going to be, A, an educational experience, yep promote the document to some degree to say if people want more information there are ways you can find it but also show that obviously the EDCF but also the manufacturers everybody's approachable you know there is information out there if you want to find it and we would absolutely urge everyone to do that that's the worst the worst thing is not to get the right information and make uninformed decisions and who else do you, do you know I might be putting you on the back foot a little bit here but do you know who else is on the panel with you no absolutely we have um, David Gattens from the Glasgow Film Festival we have Mark Kendall from NEC. So we have Steve Case from Omnex, yeah. and who's obviously Omnex being an integrator. And then we have Paul John Anderson from Omniplex. That's another exhibitor. Good team. Excellent little nutshell from you there, Matt. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. Enjoy the conference and I'll, I'll speak see to you. Me too. Thank, Thank you. you. So here I am with Ngozi Akali, Head of Technical Operations from E1. Hello, Ngozi. Hello, hello. Hello, how are you doing today? Good, thank you. Excellent. So thank you for joining me. So Ngozi, you are speaking on premium experiences and that's today. So if I just hand over to you, give us in a nutshell kind of what we can expect from you sure. and, you know, any sort of anything insightful that you can bring to the front for me. Yeah, sure. Lovely. So um, we're going to be discussing premium large formats. So anything from 3D to Atmos to 4DX and laser projection, anything that's other than 2D, mm -hmm. and the effects that it has, well, for my part, the effect that it has on distribution. So, um, do you want to know what the effects are? Yeah, okay. go for it. <laughs> do we ever? <laughs> Good, because I've been testing for this. <laughs> so, um, so, well, basically, if you have more versions to create um, for any one release, it's obviously going to cost a lot more money when you're doing your mastering and your versioning. It's going to cost more money when you do your distribution um, because you're likely to have a cinema that has um, maybe four different formats um, on site, Atmos, 3D, maybe they have 4DX, maybe they have IMAX as well. Um, and so, obviously, we have to distribute the right
website formats to that site. So yep. there's an increase in cost in distribution, increase in cost in versioning, like I already mentioned, because you're making versioning. Versioning, versioning. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're basically dubbing, um, we're doing yeah. subtitling, but you have to do it on all the versions. It's also important to note that um, at this point, um, the lead times from production, so that when we actually get the film to, to prepare it for distribution, it's getting smaller and smaller, but we're getting more and more versions to fit into that small yeah. space. So that's uh, an added pressure. So how you handle that. So yeah. how you handle that. You have to do some clever scheduling. Yeah, so all of that needs to be handled and it's constantly changing how we handle it because new formats are coming on board all the time. Um, we also, um, what is becoming more increasingly um, obvious is that we're going to need some kind of a, a, a screen by screen database of what each screen in each cinema has. Mm -hmm. So what are their capabilities? Because if yeah. we are to deliver the right format to the right cinema, the right time we need to have the up-to-date information as to who has what. I'm also going to talk a little bit about um, projection, the loss of projection staff. So we do have to give a lot of um, projection support. So we, um, and obviously that's just going to increase with the more formats that we have. So um, yeah. And um, you're presenting with a few others, is that right? I'm presenting with a few others. So I've got uh, there's a representative from Savoy Cinema who is James Collington. Yeah. We've got Alessandra Bonacci from IMAX, mm -hmm. um, John Trafford-Owen from Real D, and Graham Lodge from Sound Associates. He'll be the moderator. Fabulous. So thank you for joining me. It was just a very quick roundup of what we can expect. Um, so good luck with it, and um, I will catch up with you later. Thanks, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Good morning, everybody. We are here at day two of the UKCA conference. I am joined by CEO of the UKCA, Phil Clapp. Hello, Phil. Hi there. How are you doing today? Good, good. A little tired, but um, yeah, halfway. <laughs> halfway, exactly. So you've obviously had a very busy time pulling it all together. Um, and these couple of days have been focusing on tech in the cinema industry. Um, so if I hand it over to you, can you give us a little bit of a summary of yesterday and, sure. and sort of the areas we covered? Uh, and then after that, maybe we'll look at what we can expect today. Okay, certainly. So, so yesterday we had the best possible start. We had, a, we had a recorded address from Christopher Nolan, who clearly is someone who is hugely enthusiastic about the big screen experience and particularly the extent to which technology can help to deliver a better big screen experience and that really enthused people and then during the day we we heard about a, a range of what we what we might call premium experiences so large screen laser illumination immersive sound etc and the opportunities and indeed the challenges they represent for many in the industry and then inevitably we got onto the money so we talked about what the funding options were particularly for smaller cinema operators across the UK going forward to continue to invest in ensuring that they're giving the best possible cinema going experience to their audience but I think everyone was hugely enthusiastic, everyone was hugely optimistic about the future of the industry. And in fact, you know, the, as we learned yesterday, really the possibilities in terms of what we can offer cinema customers going forward are endless. Um, and so, as we said, day two, we've got a, a whole variety of, of stuff. What are you personally looking forward to today? So, so yesterday was very much about how technology can support and enable what happens in the auditorium. So sound and light. And, and today is much more moving out into the, the, the broader customer journey. So we'll be talking about e-ticketing, which is an increasingly uh, fertile area for, for cinema. We're talking about the increasing use of digital signage. We're in view uh, Westfield White City, which has transformed itself from a place where there were you know paper posters and cardboard standees to vibrant living digital signs. And all of those things give a much more modern and much more enticing uh, view to cinema. And then at the end of 
of the day, a kind of a, a, a project which is dear to the heart of the UK Cinema Association. We'll be talking about a project we launched last year to try and find new ways of delivering subtitles to deaf and hard of hearing customers. So we've invited two or three of the people who've put in proposals just to really road test those in front of a cinema audience. So it will be exciting for us, I think, to hear for the first time what the people who might have to deliver this to, to audiences, you know, think and, 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 and sense about what they're hearing. Yeah, actually putting it into action and, and the feedback they get. Yeah, yes. lovely. What was it that kicked off wanting to focus on tech? over the two days what was the so, inspiration so we've run annual conferences now for the last five or six years and at the end of each conference we send out a questionnaire a standard you know how was it for you type questionnaire but we also ask people who attend you know what would you like us to focus on and overwhelmingly from last year the message came back was that there was interest in all aspects of technology around cinema and I think that reflects two things one is that you know the, the industry as a whole converted from analogue to digital technology getting on for a decade ago now and, and, and that kind of has been banked now and people are now looking forward to what what comes next and the second thing is, is and it's part and parcel of that digitization process is the rate and diversity of technological change in the industry is accelerating almost on a weekly basis and particularly for our smaller members you know smaller cinema operators across the across the country it's actually sometimes very difficult to work out what's going on what might be of value what might not be of value so the purpose of the of these two days has been essentially to try and bring some clarity to that not to tell people you should invest in this or that or this brand or that brand but actually to say to them look you know, these are the options this is the perception of the benefits they provide to audiences and with your knowledge of your audience and your knowledge of your business model it's now for you to make the decision on whether these things are for you now in the future or not at all yeah so you can see what's available and then and then select absolutely and and you know what, what we've been very grateful to the people who've spoken particularly people representing particular products particular brands is that they haven't you know in, engaged in sales pitches no, no, it's yeah, all very yeah, yeah. much about just increasing the general level of understanding so people can make more informed business decisions it's interesting because i'm probably the least techie person i know and just like you said you know having those options laid out it was like it was very eye-opening mm -hmm. it was like all this stuff that's available and then hearing people talk about who actually put it into play is fascinating yeah and you guys have sort of partnered with the uh, CTC the cinema sure. technology community how did that come about that partnering well I, th I think it's partly partly a recognition of the fact that the UK Cinema Association we're, we're generalists I mean our, our job is to know enough about most things and we're not tech technology people we're not we don't have an in-depth knowledge and we really do rely on colleagues in the industry not just in technology and other aspects of the business who can you know be, be you know trusted advisors and, and, and neutral advisors and, and the CTC are absolutely that so they've worked you know tirelessly with us to try and find a range of topics which will be engaging a range of topics which will be of the moment and a range of topics that we can pitch at a level whereby you don't need to use the phrase an ology in the kind of the technical background of things to actually understand what's going on and take something from it and I will shortly be speaking to Richard Mitchell as well so Excellent. there we go lovely thank you for joining me Phil I know you've got a lot on your plate so I will let you go but um, thanks for that and have a good rest of the conference thanks very much I am joined by Paul Wilmot chair and technology director of Saffron Screen welcome Paul hello hello did you enjoy yesterday I did yes it was I a cram packed was day very, wasn't it it was very good yeah yes. yeah some really good sessions especially in the afternoon the uh, in the pub I thought was <laughs> really excellent so today is your day so you are speaking for us later and you are presenting on the skills for technology section? I am, yes. Lovely. So what can we expect from you, Paul? I'm going to be talking about a CTC uh, training course that we're doing in May 
it's all about um, quality, really. Quality of, of presentation, quality of picture, quality of the sound, what to look for if things go wrong. And it's designed, I mean, originally we, we did this course for projectionists years back. Okay, yeah, back But of in course the day. there aren't that many projectionists around nowadays. <laughs> so um, we, we've sort of amended it slightly so that it's got a wider audience now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I um, work for uh, Saffron Screen, as you said, yeah. and we have a lot of volunteers. Um, we have volunteer projectionists still, um, but we're finding more and more that we're not using projectionists for all our screenings. So we're, we're relying on people like duty managers to actually do the screenings. But they're not, they don't have that general knowledge about if anything goes slightly wrong or to identify any problems. So part of what this course will do is, is enable these people to basically watch, listen and identify problems that, that, that could happen. So we, we, will, we will actually be showing content that is incorrect. Oh, OK, that's <laughs> and, interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Then, then they have to, to, to try Jump into action. say, OK, yeah. maybe there's no left channel or maybe there's no right. OK, great. So, so to kind of give them a, a, a basis of knowledge yeah. to move and forward. And it's very important because they're in front of the customer. So our, our audience, if, if there is something wrong, they'll, they'll, the first person they complain to will be the duty manager. Yeah, of course. And if the duty manager goes, yeah, that doesn't sound quite right, does it? They'll phone up our technical manager and he'll say, well, can you give me a bit more information? But if, if they know what to listen for um, or to look for, then they can relay that information and get fixed an awful lot Identify quicker. the yeah. problem more specifically yeah. and then solve exactly, it. Yeah. yeah. And you're presenting with Gareth Ellis Unwin from Screen Skills as well. Indeed, yeah. So is he covering a slightly different angle or are you both talking on a similar sort of... Um, I think he's got a, a much broader range of courses and skills that, that they're talking about. So we, we are very, uh, in the CTC, we're very specific about what we're looking at. I mean, we will also be covering things like event cinema and things like that because um, I, I, most, probably most people in, in the cinema world will tell you that, that taking live cinema is one of those areas that is fraught with issues and problems. Yes, I'm familiar actually. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, um, it, and it's always a bit scary when you're doing a live screening in front of a full house yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, 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 something yeah. glitches in, you know. So we'll be talking about things like that as well to try and help people to, to again, identify what's going wrong and where yeah. the problems are. Is there a kind of hands-on element as well, so that in the moment, if something yeah. goes wrong, they can they can correct it as per their training? Um, we, we do have hands-on sessions in the training not we're not going to do obviously there's a limit to what we can actually do but yeah of um, course. there will be hands-on okay well thank you ever so much i hope you enjoy your second day i'm uh, sure i will i will uh, i'll catch up with you soon and good luck for your your talk okay thank thanks very much indeed so I have very kindly been joined by Richard Mitchell, President of the CTC, the Cinema Technology Community, and VP Global Marketing and Commercial Development for Harkness Screens. Morning. <laughs> Good morning, Richard. That morning. was a bit of a mouthful, wasn't yes. it? Yes, yes. Uh, always uh, fun to have two different job titles. Um, so you are very much man of the hour over yesterday and today, and you've done, you did a speech, you did a talk yesterday, um, and then you're also talking today. So if we go back to yesterday, and if you could just give us a summary of what you talked on um, it was development of immersive technology uh, so just give us in a nutshell kind of what that covered that would be lovely sure uh, so we well first I'll start by saying that uh, not so much man of the hour but team of the hour team think, of the uh, hour CTC team have uh, done a great job over uh, the past two days and delivering some great content for um, Phil and Gronje's team as a conference so yesterday I talked about immersive and interactive experiences AR VR uh, where that's heading 
uh, as an industry, it's quite interesting because we've seen some trials of VR that haven't worked. And we're seeing some exhibitors, particularly in the US, who are now trialing up some new things to see how that might progress uh, for them. Uh, so it's a very interesting space at the moment that I think we as an industry are in danger of almost ruling out and saying it's not for us, it's not going to be the right thing but maybe there is something in there for us. Okay, interesting. So you said that obviously some stuff didn't work and some stuff is kind of, they're trying to be more innovative and bring new ideas to the front. What kind of stuff are we looking at for the new ideas? So if you if you look at historically where, particularly in VR where it hasn't worked, it's been um, probably stuff that didn't need to necessarily be inside of a cinema. So if you look at the, the great work that IMAX did with VR, it was more what I would call almost location-based entertainment. So it didn't have to be inside of a cinema. And the content was kind of mostly available to the consumer inside of their own consumer space. So you could get hold of it inside of Google Cardboard, inside of your, your Samsung headsets. Um, so you'd almost question, is that a premium enough experience to drive people to come to, to why, do that? Why would they go to Absolutely. the cinema? Absolutely. And yeah. then, then there's the restrictions in terms of commercial space. So being locked into a box, if you will, uh, to do that is quite difficult to, to keep people inside of those quite confined spaces. Some of the stuff that's coming through now, there's there's two things that we're, we're quite interested in that are both coming out of the US. One is The Void, uh, which Cinemark are trialling uh, at the moment inside, I think, of Texas. Mm -hmm. And uh, The Void is uh, kind of a 30-minute experience where you kind of get dressed up and you have a whole load of headsets, haptic controllers, laptop on your backpack. Uh, and then you have this kind of experience where four of you can actually see each other inside this virtual world. Oh, wow. Which is a little bit different from most of the other VR experiences where you're just singular. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've even seen that they can do things where you'll go through a virtual world opening doors, but the door is actually geolocated to the real world. So you actually this do blows put your my hand mind, out by the way. and touch a handle of a door <laughs> and walk through a door into yeah. another room. Uh, so that's really uh, very interesting. Uh, I know that Cinemark are also trialling something called Spaces. Okay. Uh, I don't know too much about that, but again, it's a slightly different VR experience. And then uh, we're also seeing a trend into what I would call immersive shared experiences. I think personally, we as an industry do that better than anybody else. We create these enormous rooms with enormous screens and we immerse people in a shared way. And so that could be things like um, pods, domes, cubes... Um, anything in that kind of ilk. And I think that may well have some interest to this industry. Um, also because it's quite akin to what we already do. Yeah, I, I, I like I said, just my mind is blown by this kind of thing. So moving on to today, you are once again talking and um, today you are doing technology-assisted lobby design, aren't you? So that's kind of your experience from Harkness Screens? Yes, or? correct. Yeah. So um, it's something that I'm personally fascinated by. So before joining Harkness, I spent seven years in and around the construction industry. So saw how technology has been adopted inside of that space. I think it would be fair to say that this industry is very backward in its use of technology and design of buildings and spaces and I've always believed that actually whether you own it or operate that building space it's the most important asset that you have because if you don't have a building that runs properly then you actually don't have a successful business. There's a trend particularly over this side of the Atlantic that exhibitors do the bare minimum so they'll turn around to architects and say we'll have 2D plans and we'll have the basic uh, set of drawings for a site uh, and that that's quite difficult for an architect to then say well yeah I can give you that 
I can't give you everything that you could have. Now, if you look outside of our industry and into the public sector, the government have mandated for a number of years that if you want a government contract to build something, you have to be, if, if you will, BIM compliant, which means you've got to be able to design 3D models. Mm -hmm. Now, architects, there are a number of them inside of the cinema space that can do that. Uh, overseas, uh, there's Beck Architects uh, and TK International. I think ERA can do that as well. And over here, I know Chapman Taylor have that capacity. Um, so there are a number of architects that can design in 3D, but the benefits of that are that you can really almost interrogate your building and find out how it's going to work digitally before you build it uh, and whether or not, even if it's built, actually doing that before you do a refurbishment can be phenomenally powerful. Okay, well, that's something to look forward to. I look forward to hearing Yeah, that. yeah, and the, the ability for people to, to learn more about the building, learn how it's going to perform, yeah. direct cues accordingly... Uh, know how to keep people safe inside of buildings. Uh, how how difficult is it to evacuate? Where do you put your staff? Uh, all of those things are really important. Mm -hmm. um, and you can do that with technology. And I think we can hopefully harness that technology as an industry to give better outcomes for moviegoers and actually uh, increase profitability for exhibitors. Yeah, great. Because it's almost an area that you... As the consumer, you wouldn't really even consider, but it plays such an integral role, doesn't it? Absolutely, and and you you look on on social media at the I mean, just taking fire evacuations. You look on social media, and you see the number of people are complaining that they've been evacuated and it's been a mess because they didn't know where to go and there weren't enough staff. And that can be solved digitally by doing that interrogation of of a building before it's built or before you renovate it at any time, really, with any set of drawings. So spending that small amount of money means that the moviegoer gets a better experience or a feeling of safety. But then they wouldn't see things like, for example, how they're managed through queues. So if you say, well, actually, I'm going to redesign my lobby and I'm going to look to push people into peak areas where I want them. So where I want them in good dwell times for a long period. So I'm going to put a coffee shop in. Well, if I put a coffee shop in the back left-hand corner, that's going to be high dwell time uh, because they're going to be sitting down having a coffee. But if it's a small space and there's a corridor next to it, well, maybe I need to put the coffee shop somewhere else because I don't want to have crowds. And so the consumer never sees this, but yeah. this is this is quite integral, even to the point of driving them towards the concession stand so they cannot get away from the concession <laughs> stand. Uh, we've done some work with a number of exhibitors, one where we simply said, well, actually, if we look at the path of resistance for the consumer, it's ticket machine and then doors to, to the auditorium. So we said, well, actually, why don't you put some chairs in on both sides and tables and funnel them down? Their concession sales went up by about 6%, and, the, and their average concession spend went up by about 65 pence, which doesn't sound an awful lot, but you gross it over a year, and I think it was about £180,000 worth wow. of additional sales. It's not to be sniffed at. No, it's not. And you know, for a big, big multiplex operator with 100 sites, that's a significant uplift in profit. Well, thank you ever so much for joining Pleasure, me. Thank you. Very interesting and uh, good luck with the talk today. Thank Thanks, you very Richard. Much. Cheers. Hello, everybody. I have been joined uh, on day two by Johnny Wiles, Director of Theatrical and Localisation for Warner Brothers uh, in the Technology Division. Hello, Johnny. Hello. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. Did you enjoy yesterday? Yeah, very much so. Um, really good discussion um, at yeah. the end of the day and the, the whole day was great. There was a lot of key themes that came out I think but um, yeah it was a great day. So as you just touched on so you were part of the panel for the in the pub session with Mike Bradbury from Odeon uh, at the end of the day. I've had compliments about how, how it was a great session so if you could just kind of give us in a nutshell what you guys discussed what the theme of it was. 
Yeah, I mean, I think for one, I agree that the format is really good. Everyone gets to let their hair down, I think, and there was a few more laughs, I think, which yeah. is nice, uh, and a bit of honesty as well, which is, is is important at these events. I think generally the themes that we touched on were the ones that were coming up throughout the day. So a lot about laser, um, a lot about 3D and the state of 3D in the UK in particular, which was interesting. Um, I think people want laser as it seems to be a natural upgrade for cinemas they want it to be also a solution for the stagnant 3d market in the uk um and i'm not sure that's going to be the case um yesterday we talked about how it requires a separate uh, grade um, of the master really to, to to see the benefits of what laser can achieve in terms of light levels one of the one of the points i tried to make yesterday was that we master at four and a half foot lamberts for 3d but for a uh, laser that can achieve 7-foot Lamberts easily, I think, or 10 or even 20-foot Lamberts, that would require a new master from us, from the studio. And at the moment, we create a 7-foot Lambert, but it usually gets restricted to premieres or North America. Um, but if cinemas could come to us with a conclusive proof that they could achieve those light levels, then we could maybe start having conversations about bringing that master over to the UK. Now, what impact that would have on 3D in the UK, I think remains to be seen. Some of the comments from the other panellists um, about how uh, their opinions on 3D, I think, reflected the UK audience's opinions, which are um, that the novelty is over. But obviously, globally, with some of the other information we saw throughout the day, that's clearly not the case. So 3D is going to be here and it will remain here. Um, so whether we can improve it, I thought there were some really good points made earlier on in the day about scheduling 3D and making it a priority in your schedules. and so whether keeping the consistency. Yeah, exactly. And whether we can encourage some growth and support in the market by giving people an opportunity to see good 3D at the times they want to see it. So we touched, you know, you touched on there about how 3D is perceived as being perhaps a bit stagnant. Do you think that's the biggest challenge to overcoming that perception or, or what are some of the other challenges that we need to look at? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, consistency is definitely an issue. And, and thankfully, no one you know, brought it up yesterday at me, but I think filmmakers um, do have a responsibility as well to create good 3D content. I personally feel like, um, and we touched on yesterday, uh, content originated in 3D actually in production um, with dual camera setups versus post-production and stereo conversions. Um, I think stereo conversion work is getting better and better and better. It's a pretty young uh, industry, if you like, really. I mean, modern 3D has only been around for 10 to 15 years. Um, so there's people now, um, and, and masses of people are required to work on this, uh, this work, uh, to do these conversions for feature films. So those people are getting more experienced. There's more of an industry pool of talent working on that. Um, and when I see 3D content, which I always do, because I always have to watch it for our films, um, I'm, I'm seeing a consistent improvement, I think, personally, over the last I mean, six years I've been at Warner Brothers. So I think the perception um, is an issue because people went to see 3D when it was really, really popular five years ago and maybe didn't get the best experience because they were seeing poor conversions. Um, but if we could encourage people back into the cinemas to enjoy 3D, um, they might have a better experience. Yeah, so time's moved on and technology's moved on and exactly. it's kind of getting them to realise that. Yeah. yeah. 
Lovely. Um, anything particular that you're looking forward to today, day two? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm super interested in direct view and, and LED screens um, just because it seems like a real... Um, a real shift in the marketplace. It's something truly, truly different, especially when it comes to um, uh, cinema design and the ability to not have a projection booth and whether that means cinemas can have increased capacity on a smaller uh, architectural footprint. I think that's really interesting. The light levels that direct view can output um, is, is interesting. If we could have kids shows with all the lights on, so kids can safely run around and play while uh, content is still um, very watchable. Um, it's not the kind idea. Kind of like a we massive TV in a lounge. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I think there's been even concept art floating around of play areas in cinemas um, for kids as well. So I think direct view would help solve uh, the issues you'd have with lights. Well, on that note, uh, we best skedaddle over to the screen seven. Um, but thank you for joining me, Johnny. That was very interesting. And uh, enjoy your day too. No problem. Thank you. Welcome to my podcasting seat, Kevin Marquick, owner and manager, Pitcher House Uckfield. Hi, how are you? I'm Good well, are you? you? Yeah, you I'm fine. I'm full of beans. Full of beans. Yes, my, beans. Be my beans are overflowing. <laughs> Good to know. Yes. Good to know. So here we are at day two of the UKCA conference. Yes, it is. And we're still... Still, Still alive, strong. yeah. Still alive, alive and kicking. So you've been a busy bee. I have. So day one was your in the pub session with Mike Bradbury. Yeah, where I covered myself in glory and beer by tripping up the uh So up the I step. missed this. Oh, what? I, I missed this. So uh, can you just tell Well, tell I basically happened? stepped onto the stage and completely missed the height of it. Because oh, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm only a short fella. And uh, I went sprawling and flying much to everyone's hilarity. And that's all they've been talking about since. <laughs> Be careful, Kev, when you step up on there. Comments like that. Yeah, well, really. I'm going to be a long time before I live that one down. But I recovered quite gracefully, I thought. Graceful as a ballerina. Yeah, I don't think I spilt much of my beer. Because we, you know, in, in an attempt at authenticity, we had actual beer. Oh, so in we the pretended pub it was yeah, a, in yeah, a yeah. pub, yes. Yeah. So give us in a nutshell what you discussed and what the. Oh. Uh, what did we talk about? We talked about light levels in cinemas, whether they are too bright, which we tended to agree uh, they were. And what else did we talk about? Oh, do you know, I have the memory of a goldfish. Uh, we talked about whether films are too loud, whether, you know, do cinemas run things too loud, too soft? My, What's the general consensus Well, the general one? consensus and uh, seems to be uh, with a lot of technical people, and I sort of count myself among those, if you get it right then it's not too loud. You know, if your theatre is EQ'd correctly and set up properly, then you should be able to run it on Fader Level 7. And it will be, as the director intended, then it shouldn't sound too loud. It will sound loud, but that's one of the reasons you go to the cinema, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, we get, we do get that. People, I mean, people do complain it's too loud. A slightly older demographic, if I'm honest. But, you know, that's why you go to the cinema, isn't it? Yeah, to have the full experience. Yeah, absolutely. So sound, light levels, um, oh, and 3D, of course, which is... Uh, What's we're now we've Yeah, well, we've now gone from discussing 3D is the future to how long has it got? When do we bury the body and move on? Quite honestly, I've already buried it. So, yeah, we. I don't have any 3D in my theatres at all now. All three when, of them. when did you stop? Uh, well, we 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 swapped. Uh, we put in new Sony projectors, which you have to pay extra for the silly lens, and also um, you have to have a silver screen because you have to have polarizing 3D. And uh, I won't have a silver screen anywhere near my cinema, so that was the end of 3D. And yeah. nobody has complained. 
I may have a crinkly mouth when Avatar 12 or whatever it is comes out, but I don't think so somehow. I think it's uh, Domine Patrum Spiritus Sanctus. 3D is dead. Well, certainly in the UK. You can't say that globally, of course. But in the UK, I think it's... Uh, I mean, people's shoulders drop when you say it. They go, oh, really? Did anyone else have any... I think that was the general view of the panel, to be honest. Yeah, nobody stood up and said, I've heard enough, gentlemen, I'm leaving, and, and went in a huff. No, no, I think everyone sort of generally agreed that, that yeah, 3D is... Uh, is Past its best, A maybe. challenge. A challenge. I like yeah. it, diplomatic. Yeah, Excellent. no, well... So um, today, day two, keyno- oh, keynote speaker, yeah. Keynote Kev. Hashtag Kev for Keynote. What started as a whisper last year and became blossomed. a social media tsunami. <laughs> and Phil Clatt just, just couldn't hold back the tide like King Canute Absolutely anymore. not. And uh, yeah, I spoke nonsense for 15 minutes this morning. I heard it. I thought it was very good. Oh, well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Just generally about... You know, because we built this expensive new website, which is going very well. I just wanted to update people on that. And uh, just generally about the expectations of technology, the fact that because I'm a real technophile, I love it. You know, is it going to make me happy? Actually, no, not really. You know, I mean, I love the picture and the sound. But, you know, I'm going to be always searching for the next thing, probably. The next toy. Yeah, can't help it. I love it. (laughs) But not, yeah, well, yes and no. Not 3D. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, I never saw that as a toy that I wanted to engage with, actually. Not at all. You know, my my experience, this is going to sound a bit uh, pretentious, perhaps, but I I watched uh, in 4K in my theatre a few months ago, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which is an experience I had as a 17-year-old, I believe I was, 16, 17-year-old. And it was the first time I'd heard full-on stereophonic sound in a theatre. And the, uh, I know how well you know the film, and there's the opening, and you get the boom from the, the strings, and then the sound of the jeeps breaks, and then the, the surround sound, this amazing wind sound on all the surround channels. And effectively, I've been, I have spent the last 40 years trying to, trying to get back to that exact experience yeah. because it had such an impact on me. And I sat there, and I, I've worked hard on the picture, and I've worked hard on the sound, and it's always been good, but that was the one moment I sat and I thought, oh, I've done it, I've got back to that. This is so thrilling. And that's got you know nothing to do really with uh, gizmos and bells and whistles. It's just properly set up and properly... You know, engaging, so immersive. What? That was the other thing we talked about. Yeah. Immersive. How do we make it more immersive? You know what? You, you, you don't need to. Films are already immersive. They are, by their very nature, if it's a good film, you get the world disappears, doesn't it? Even on yep. even on TV, on a four by three black and white television, if you're engaged in the story, the world disappears. It's not something you have to. You really think don't of. have yeah, to yeah, work yeah. that. I mean, as long as the picture and the sound are good, you will be immersed in the story if it's a good story. You know, Space Monkeys 12 is not necessarily going to engage you. It's a classic, Kev, come on. (laughs) In the way that Casablanca or, you know, um, 2001 or whatever whatever your thing is, you know, My Fair Lady or Bridget Jones or whatever it is that engages you. You don't don't need to make the seat move around and probe areas you didn't know you wanted probed during a film, (laughs) you know. (laughs) A little bit of additional probing. Yeah, some probing not required. And, um, you know, because, and that's why, again, that's what I think I, uh, we all made the point about the 3D being like that. It's sort of, it actually has the opposite effect of being immersive because you're always sitting there going, oh, my glasses, right? 
Am I, you know, and it kind of constantly takes you out of this, oh, I've got a big thumbprint on it. I'm, uh, hang on, if I tilt my head that way, it looks a bit better. Yeah, yeah, that's better. And, you know, and that actually snapping you out of the story all the time. You're suddenly, it's a bit like when you're at a concert and you're trying to enjoy the film and then these twits keep putting their phones up in front of your face. Yeah, takes you yeah. completely out or of Or rustlers. The I can't stand rustlers. Rustlers. Rustlers, packets, no. rustling, yeah. foil, And it, it, it distracts you from the story yeah. and, and that's, you know, and I feel 3D is the same, but you know we all, and that again as it part of the Close Encounters experience was I was so absorbed in that film, you know the world disappeared and and I did I sat there watching it on my spangly 4K projectors with my spangly because it was in 70 mil I saw it as well, and and I'm not pretending 4K is is, is you know 70 mil but it it's you know it was still a fantastic experience and I think that's what it's about really ultimately. Excellent. I agree. And that's yes. a great place to wrap it up in our nutshell. So thank you for joining me. That's quite all right. Um, My pleasure. Enjoy the rest of the afternoon on day two. Thank you. And have fun. Look after yourself and more importantly, behave yourself. Yeah, I'll try. I am joined by UK Cinema Association consultant on accessibility and Event Cinema Association Managing Director, Grania Pete. Hello, Grania. Hi, Helen. Very long title <laughs> you have there. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Two joined together. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> two associations. So, welcome. How are you doing on day two of the UKCA conference? You you pulled it all together, didn't you? So you had a fair bit on your plate. I did. Yeah. So it's it's been a busy few weeks, but um, the two days have gone really well. I mean, we've got a phenomenal tech team. I only use All Safe and Sound for every event that I do because. They just make it run so smoothly. I think over the course of the day, we've had some really good feedback from people. Like the atmosphere yesterday in particular was, it was buzzing. You know, considering it's technology as well, I think we've we sort of did a good mix of presentations to kind of keep the day moving along, keeping everybody interested. So it was great sort of having a chat with people sort of in the networking drinks last night to sort of hear that they were really sort of taken with the... The conversations that were going on today, even as well, we've had some brilliant stuff. Um, the digital display one from Coke and View was just brilliant, like absolutely brilliant. I love the pigs. I know. Don't oh. you just want a pig? Uh, and then, of course, now we're sort of coming into the last sort of few sessions and... I will be closing with my yes. piece on accessibility. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about that, what we of can course. expect? I mean, I mean, those that know me, um, you know, sort of, uh, I'm sort of been known as the one that has sort of long championed accessibility within cinemas. And, you know, although we've sort of done a huge kind of sort of uh, range of sort of topics and things that we cover, everything from audio description, autism friendly, um, but the one that we're focusing in on at the moment is around subtitling in cinemas. So this was um, our challenge fund that we launched at the end of last year, uh, and indeed a, a sort of a project that I've sort of spearheaded for the last kind of couple of years. So it's it's really exciting to be able to kind of publicly launch it to people today uh, and talk them through what we're doing. It's a little bit of an industry first of what we've managed to achieve. And basically the challenge fund is there to kind of help stimulate innovation around technology for subtitling. So, it's, so you know, the uh, subtitling in cinemas, particularly sort of open captions whereby subtitles are on the screen, has sort of been long an area of contention for cinemas in terms of availability. So people who have some form of hearing loss who would benefit from the subtitles, you know, have long protested over uh, what times that they're on at, how often they can go and see them, you know, and then 
having some sort of assistive technology um, whereby the subtitles can be shown on a personal device that's only mm, that's visible yeah. that's only visible to to the user you know seems like a good way forward you know and while there are sort of systems out there on the market um, there's not really been one that's kind of really taken off you know for a number of reasons um, cost availability of content all of these sort of things end user experience as well so the challenge fund was there really to kind of ignite some thoughts both inside the industry and outside of the industry to sort of see what can we come up with you know even if it's a case of is there existing technology you know that those from the harder hearing community are using that we could adopt into a cinema setting you know it was to start having those conversations so the fund itself, it actually, we we got in a huge amount of interest in terms of applications. I was so going to ask how many. Yeah, yeah. we were you know, we were really pleasantly surprised. You know, we had sort of over 20 applications oh, post wow. the launch event. Yeah. And then from those applications, we, we sort of whittled them down into the kind of the clear kind of contenders or mm -hmm. potential. And that went down to 11. We've put together an expert panel, uh, many of which have sort of been here over the course of the two days of the conference to kind of help us talk through this. And they range from sort of access specialists to sort of tech vendors and installers. You know, we've got colleagues from distribution. We've got a range of exhibitors all being able to kind of feed into this. So so that we're, we're making sure that we're looking at and approaching the solution, you know, from all angles so that we make sure that we can find something that works. Mm. Um, you know, we also have a, a focus group of, of hard of hearing um, cinem regular cinema goes as Excellent. well, yeah. so they're feeding yeah. in at every stage. Um, they're quite candid. Good. I yeah. was going to say, are they quite? Yeah, yeah honest? <laughs> they are. They really are, uh, and they're very clear about what they want and what they don't want. Yeah. But you know, at the end of the day, while the system needs to work for cinemas, it's got to be able to be used, and people want to use it, and it gives them, uh, you know, an inclusive experience, but an enjoyable cinema experience as well. So today we will hear from our sort of three finalists. So we've yep. got two phases of funding. So phase one, uh, we, we initially chose four. Uh, one project has sort of now since dropped because of they can't work within the timelines, not necessarily because yep, yep. the solution is not yeah, viable. Yeah. Um, so we've got the three that we're here about today. And interestingly, you know, all are some form of eyewear that will either reveal the subtitles or display That's the subtitles. Mind blown. And yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's really exciting. So we're here from our three sort of finalists um, and they'll be talking the audience through like what they've come up with, what they found. And then I'll be sort of pushing them back in in terms of our criteria and making sure that they are kind of keeping those at the forefront of their mind of, you know, it needs to fit in with kind of work streams, both on yeah. distribution side and with exhibition. You know, it needs to be durable, but easy to be maintained. You know, cinema staff are gonna have to know how do they store it? How do they clean it? What's needed, you know? What's the kind of the, 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 the maintenance that's required for them so that you can sort of get longevity out of them. But also, you know, that it provides that inclusive experience. Yeah. Someone who can benefit from the subtitles is able to go to the cinema at any time and watch any film that they want. Yeah. And, um, and not feel like they're completely isolated. Yeah. Exactly. And not feel like I can only go on a Tuesday at, at 4.30. You know, that's, we sort of, we want to be able to give cinemas more opportunities to, to be able to provide that. Yeah. Lovely. Well, that's excellent. I'm really excited to see that. So 
for the the three finalists, will they'll be taking questions from the audience or yes, they will. Okay. Yes, I mean I I've avoided kind of going down any of the tech side questions because <laughs> that's well above my pay grade, Helen, uh, and I couldn't answer them. I mean, some when you're reading the stuff, I mean. Even yesterday when Mike was talking about all the kind of Lamberts and 3D and 2D and I just thought, oh my gosh. Right. I, d I heard a Lambert and I, I was a bit like, oh, that's gone over my head. Yeah. <laughs> Lambert, a 4D Lambert. Yeah, so we're, hopefully there'll be, it will generate a lot of questions I hope from the audience, particularly one in particular, which is sort of looking at a 3D sort of principle of revealing the subtitles. And then how does it work in terms of, um, does one person win overall? So one finalist is decided? Or? It's, I mean, because it's our fun, the beauty of it is is that we can do whatever we want we, yeah. we, we can change it so as I said like phase one we've sort of this is almost what we've called the kind of the development it's sort of that feasibility like can we make this work what's needed mm -hmm. with phase two we're looking you know we've set out to fund two to yeah. go forward with um, and that's when we'll sort of start looking at, at prototypes piloting getting feedback from sort of various stages what's of working what's yeah not, what's yeah. not working you know and then Beyond that then, I mean, then it sort of kind of comes down to a point of, you know, what can we do in terms of making this a, a product that's, you know, marketable to the industry? And, you know, and what's brilliant is, you know, as well as that, you know, it's a worldwide issue, you know, so it's not even like it's limited to the UK market. You know, if we can find a system that works, you know, that can be easily Scope adopted. Scope is yeah. pretty big, yeah. Yeah, for other yeah. territories, oh, exactly. Oh, that's really exciting. Okay, I'm going to let you go because you need to go and get your head in the game. Um, oh, yeah, I do, don't I? <laughs> um, but thank you ever so much for chatting thank to me. Thank you for having and me. Enjoy the, uh, the rest of the afternoon. You too. Thanks, Ellen. So that was the UK Cinema Association podcast in association with the cinema technology community. We hope you all enjoyed listening. Don't forget to check out the UKCA website, which is cinemauk.org.uk for upcoming events and news from the UKCA. And we'll see you all soon at the next event.